Sound cue. That's how I can line the audio. Perfect. Ready? Yes. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Welcome back, everyone. Infamous Performance Podcast. Today's guest, we have a very knowledgeable person with nutrition. (laughs) (laughs) James Hudson, who's going to talk to us today all about nutrition good nutrition bad nu- but mainly about performance and nutrition I think and where you've come from going in CrossFit doing what you're doing now going to cover as much as we can over to you Ben yeah um, I think ultimately it's starting with your background more than anything um, where yeah, what got you into nutrition in a sense at a starting point and then how it's kind of progressed through your career, so where you now work with performance, more endurance-based athletes, Mm -hmm. right? So yeah, how you've kind of leaned that, but then how you tail it towards like strength training, CrossFit athletes, your own training, so on and so forth. Um, So yeah, tell us about yourself. Where did it start? (laughs) Where did the passion for nutrition start? Right, um, always liked sport, and was one of those people that's just like, I like sport, what am I gonna do at uni? Well, I'll try and do something sport-based. So managed to get onto a sport technology course at Loughborough University and got about halfway through the course and was midway through one of the computer coding lectures and just had the realization that I don't want to do this. I don't want to be sat in front of a computer doing my job like this, coding and creating software and doing CAD. And I thought, basically left the um, lecture and went and talked to my um, like the guy who a mentor and sort of, okay, well, what can I do? Maybe I can move to sport and exercise science. So managed to move back, did, a, did two first years. So I did my first year on sports tech and then did a sport first year on sport and exercise science. But that really cemented the fact that I want to learn more about the body. That was mm. what I was interested in. It's the performance, the health, and obviously doing that at Loughborough University was phenomenal mm. just because the, the, yeah, the facilities was awesome. So it really picked up second, third year when you were able to start tailoring your modules to what you want to do. And I, was, I wanted to do the sport nutrition modules. It's something about it just fascinated me. I loved eating good food and cooking. And yeah, I think there was a real link between well, what I ate and how I was performing. So I thought if I can learn more about that, then it's a big win. So I was tailoring my modules right down, as much sport nutrition and sport modules as possible. And then got very lucky because my cousin's boyfriend's friend or something um, worked at Harlequins and knew the nutritionist there who was looking for an intern. So as I was leaving Loughborough when I'd graduated, I managed to go basically straight in and start doing pre-season with Harlequins as a nutrition intern. You must have learned a lot, like, because that's completely different from what you lean towards now in terms of endurance, like, it's still an endurance-based thought, but the strength capacity that they require, fueling must look. Yeah, and when you start, you're so raw, because you've come out of university and you just, you know, numbers and you know all the science and the books and all that stuff, and then you get rugby players like, James, I've, you know, I've been on the toilet for so long, what shall I eat, what, what can I eat? Mm. There's all this practical side that you, you don't really learn in the textbooks. And also the side of actually talking with athletes, dealing with people, building relationships as a way of getting the most out of them wanting to change. Yeah. Because you can be the smartest bloke in the world, know all the guidelines inside out, but actually making and implementing behavior change yeah. is incredibly difficult. It is, yeah. So it's how you finesse that. 
so it was getting straight in and doing it with a sport which I my, my background was rugby so I was quite lucky to able to go straight into a sport where I, at least I knew some of the culture and mm. liked the sport watched it so it was quite an easy sort of entry point to sport nutrition and applied sport nutrition you, you find that the rugby club is easier to implement things because they're kind of like professional level and they know almost well, there was like I guess you had to earn the trust in a, to start off with but you find that they were quite easy to implement what you said and compared to other people like other domains of people or you actually found you still have similar difficulties with the professionals as you do with just kind of the everyday client so definitely the latter okay yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's quite that probably surprises a lot of people yeah like, I think oh, they're there's professional they're just going to say what do what I say yeah and obviously there are those athletes that are so on it they want to do anything they can they're in control of to improve performance but then there are people who have exact same issues as everyone else like mm. They, when they have two cookies, they eat the whole thing, and then it's like, well, <laughs> we're doing we're doing our we're doing our skinfold calipers in a couple of weeks. Like, how can we put a few things in place so that yeah. you're leaner, but at the same time, your muscle mass is the same? same yeah. So, what 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 things can we control? But it's there's yeah, it's, they're just people, yeah, and it's treating them like people instead of just like athletes. I think is is quite a good good point when people get into elite sport. Yeah, because I, I think definitely people look at the, the professional athletes and they're like, well, they're professional, it's probably easier to motivate yourself or, yeah, you've got more buy-in or it's easier to implement things, but understanding that they will have the same struggles in a, in a different sense. It might not be nutrition, it might be some certain point of training or yeah. some certain lifestyle thing, but still how they have kind of the struggles as everyday people. Everyone like puts these professionals on like pedestals. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I'll yeah. tell them to do something, they'll do it, then nutrition is... So clean, but as you said, I've seen, I've seen the shopping basket of Saracens players years ago when they used to come <laughs> into Sainsbury's. It's like a couple of salads and then like loads of cookies and all the good stuff. So it's, uh, it's yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're lucky as a sport because they've got a very large caloric budget. Mm. Like as, um, as athletes, they're typically big, big play people. So they do need to eat something. <laughs> but... <laughs> It's like, what, what should you be eating to actually optimize your performance? Yeah. And realistically, that's in relation to your body composition goal. Because mm. you can get into loads of rabbit holes and like do things like periodizing your carbohydrate content. But realistically, they just need to eat lots of good food. Mm. And it's actually simplifying the message as much as possible so that they understand, okay, I'm trying to cook from scratch as much as possible and actually eating wholesome food instead of the prepackaged food as much as they can. Yeah. Is that, uh, so that's how you would approach nutrition from from your standpoint now like not like templated program more kind of habit building like those like like i'll put it as like lifestyle nutrition points where you're focusing on actually like quality and you're focusing on like yeah how to make things easy cooking eating habits mm. and stuff is that something that's quite it's, important i would say that's where i've got to now as okay. a nutrition coach actually when i when i first started i was quite prescriptive and yeah. it was sort of like right let's do this let's do this and you're excited because you've learned all this stuff and you just want to implement it with clients but then you soon realize that actually they get short-term success but they don't get that success in the long term yeah. so it's it's working out how do you implement change but almost do it so that you're planting seeds and they're then coming up with the ideas themselves because that's so much more powerful and if they want to make the change which you've guided them towards discovering then it's all coming from them yeah. they're doing this yeah. that's more exciting to them instead of being told something mm. like if i was like tris you're not going to do that 
then you might not do it for a little bit, but actually then you might, why am I not doing it? I don't get it. Whereas if I explain, okay, this is a, a different way of doing it. Um, this is gonna help you reach your goals. This is the why. And if you can really explain the why in a way that the client understands and relates to, then you buy into that. Yeah. Then you want to make that change. It's a lot easier in your head to interpret and understand. And, that, and you're exactly right. That's probably where we see a lot. What well, we see, you know, especially on the social media platforms now, where everyone's always looking for that quick fix. So, it's like you say, they can get that quick pattern, but will it be sustainable after? No, more than likely, once they've done their job, they fall well, off. You know, better than most. You did like bodybuilding. You did the strict dieting for. Oh, so yeah. you, you know that that's not sustainable. Oh, you no did chance. the strict dieting, and then what did I, you do the, the I, day after? Or the well, you step off stage. It, the, 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 you know, yeah. as they call it, the the, the, the rebound after yeah. the car rebound after is amazing because you're ripped to pieces, <clears> but now you're filling up with all those carbs, and you now feel invincible, where you can feel like, holy shit, I can actually eat what I want now and look amazing, and that lasts. For a small period of time and then all of a sudden that weight starts going that's where that's the mental side of bodybuilding that really used to do me in is that i used to feel amazing when i was um prepping for a show where a lot of other bodybuilders were like they hated it but i don't know where that was with my genetics i could handle bringing the carbs down right. and i just just the look spurred the energy inside me but then after I really wanted to sustain that look, but there's no way in hell I was going to sustain that And it's probably not, not healthy to no, sustain that look. No, well not healthy. Cause Depressing you, the immune system quite a bit. It's, I mean, yeah. you're not going to be and training as well. I was probably close, well. close to coming diabetic after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sugar was piling back in. So I was just thinking, waking up in the morning, it's so vascular. I was like, this is amazing. Give me more cheesecake. <laughs> That's the thing. It's the kind of whole, like, yeah. I, I know, yo-yo dieting, isn't it? It's but like really yeah. strict really strict things it makes you crave as you said the things that you, you're not allowed to have and then you'll eat one thing and then you'll be like well I've eaten one I've already done it I'll eat more and more and more and then you're like you've eaten a load of shit and then you're like shit I need to go on another diet and like and that's it and you're I, just doing the same thing that's over where and I don't know with you James but I never like to use the word diet oh I was about to chime in on that when you said yo-yo diet and just that whole word it's it's, it's like okay am I suddenly restrictive yeah. am I suddenly eating a specific way yeah. Whereas realistically, it's just, it's not a diet, it's just a way of eating. A way of eating. And better food choices, more, yeah. more, not more knowledge, more like nutrition. And that's what we, that, and that's it, that's what we don't, I think, see publicized enough out there, like you say, it's, it's, it's about sustaining, it's about eating for a whole year, not 12 weeks. Yeah, yeah, and, and not even over a day, so not even if you're tracking calories or whatever. Yeah. Well, actually, okay, well, you might have been under, but then you can be over, and, really it's guiding people to be able to eat more intuitively mm -hmm. so giving people the tools to be able to do that and mm. linking in the mindful eating side of things yeah. because then you can eat foods that you like they can fit within a healthful diet or just this healthful way of eating and not feeling the guilt associated with having those foods in because if you can have them in a controlled way mm. where you're not eating vast vast amounts of them that's absolutely fine like food is a pleasure in yeah. life and we want to embrace that instead yeah. of just saying you know moving well, towards I, this orthorexia I, 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 I still feel now that this should be in school curriculum shouldn't it there should be yeah. an hour at school you know where the, the, the kids can now come home and tell their parents you're doing it all wrong mum dad's well, you, you, nutrition you, and cookery, yeah. cookery classes need to change yeah just you know we, I think every week. Then, then we'd see <laughs> a massive, a massive yeah, difference in everything wouldn't we but, yeah just like you say that sustainable way is really important yeah well that's linking into 
preventative medicine really isn't it and that it should be healthcare, not sick care when you go and see your doctor you go when you're ill but what can we do to make people less ill yeah well yeah it's it's how we live it's how what we eat Mm. but i think in that sense you still got to have an individual that wants to make those long-term committed change and i know it comes from the correct ways that you approach it within planting the seed people need to have take the step to want to make the change in the first place yeah, you do, do need do, motivated clients. Yeah. Do you find you get a lot of people coming to you and kind of expecting, I'll use the diet, diet, like a plan, and you're like, well, no, this is the way I approach it. And you get a lot of, like, do you get a lot of people like that? And they're a little bit like either taken back by like, okay, I don't know how this will work, or actually quite excited because it's a completely different way of looking at things. A little bit of both, to be honest. Um, so I have some clients that, yeah, would probably expect to have, go to see a nutritionist, get a meal plan, that sort of vibe. But there's other clients who, yeah, are, are excited about it because when you can explain that you're not going on a diet, you're still going to eat food that you like, you might not get such a rapid change, mm. but it's going to be change that's going to last. Yeah. And when they've been through that yo-yo experience, to suddenly say, well, you know, in one year's time, two years' time, you're going to keep progressing, that's powerful. Yeah. So it is, it is worth the investment, but it's, it's the investment in time, like you said. Yeah. And... Make, making it a priority because everyone is so time poor at the moment and everyone's looking for the, the fastest way and food isn't a priority in our lives mm. like everyone's working far more than eight hours a day and we want to train and we commute and we've got family relationship like everything suddenly our cooking budget our, our preparing our planning all of that is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller so it's almost actually highlighting the impact of good nutrition yeah because if you can explain, oh, you're going to be feeling better day to day. Your mood's going to be more stable. You're going to be sleeping better. You're going to be lifting more in the gym. You're going to be able to give more in your relationships. If you can explain that and say, well, let's try and utilize nutrition to help you along actually achieve all those things, then suddenly people want to put more time into it. Because unfortunately, it is a a slow food movement. We do want to promote cooking from scratch, which does take a bit longer a bit more planning because then you're going to be eating a wider range of different foods mm. you're going to be eating foods that are more in line with your goals because when we go for that quick fix and everyone listening probably knows oh yeah when i'm when i'm hungry i'll just go for this go for that it's probably not the best option for us high sugar alcohol, yeah it's, it's what we want in the moment microwaved so yes. so putting in the time to that planning side of things is so important yeah mm. i think that's yeah that's the key thing it's like it's time and effort the yeah the, if you could take a snapshot and like go into the future and take as that snapshot and see the long-term progressive growth that someone could have it's like coming into the gym and doing training expecting every day for you to lift 10 keys he- 10 kilos heavier week on week for years and years it's just like not how we understand this not how it works for training. Yeah. so it's yeah. exactly the same for nutrition it's really tough trying to change the mindset on that yeah um there was one study actually that was really interesting where they looked at they're trying to get people to pay more into their pension scheme and they said okay we're gonna have two groups one group is gonna write a day in your life when you're you're, you're retired and the other one you're just gonna pay in and then they the group that actually imagined what they were doing in their day-to-day and were able to visualize you know their long-term self well then they paid a lot more into their pension scheme so translating that into nutrition it's well actually i need to put a lot more time and energy and focus yeah into my nutrition now because it's going to be looking after me 
But how do you do that? Because as human beings, we only look after us in the now. It's really difficult to think about us in that long term. So often just trying to build in some goals. Actually, where do you want to be in 10 years? Where do you want to be in 20 years time? What do you want to be doing with your health, with your kids, with your grandkids? That's it. I think that's really hit home with me now, turning 40. And having no more kids. Yeah. <laughs> no more kids. No more kids. But I think like that now, where before with the bodybuilding, it was all about the bodybuilding. So I knew nutrition for that. Um, I think I, once I trans crossed into CrossFit, I think I lost a lot of knowledge of nutrition. I think for the first few years, I became quite lost with it because I didn't really know how to eat for CrossFit because obviously I'm using a lot more energy and a lot more calories than I was when I was bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And typically, even still with the MMA, with the MMA, when I was that, I was young, so I was durable. I could get away with a lot of things. Where now, turning 40, I realise, right, oh, wow, I actually want, for me, longevity and, and health now is, is a main priority. So trying to eat better so that hmm. you see a lot of people, they get those complications, don't they, with, when they get to the 50s, 60s and so on, you know, strokes and stuff like that. And they go, oh, wow, now I need to change my life now. Where really we're going, yeah. You do, but the damage is done. If you'd done that before, you would have prevented probably that. And I think people can start to feel a little bit more like that. I think, right, well, actually, long. So I think once you touch home and have a kid, you actually realise, holy shit, yeah. I want to see my kid grow up. Now I'm yeah. looking at my birth now, I think, wow, I'm 40. Wow, I've got another, I could have another 40 years. So all that I've done in 40. I can now do that all again, but a much wiser person, mm -hmm. and now see my generation grow up, but teach them right and see them do it a lot better. I think that's really important. Yeah, for me anyway. You know, I think looking more depending on what sport you're in. I think everyone should always look at the long road. Right? Obviously, yeah. you've got to perform for your sport, do what you can, but think about after that as well, because then, like you said, that will probably put you into a better nutritional. You think, oh yeah, actually, I don't want to do this for 12 weeks. I should be doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah, and as you as a parent, thinking about yourself as a role model, so what your habits, relationship with food is, yeah. like how, how you cook, how you eat, all of that is rubbing off on your child. Definitely. So what you need to think about what you're doing so that is as a way of teaching. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, children mimic, don't they? Mm. They do, they copy quite a lot. Yeah. They probably see me eating a lot of pizza as well. So. Ben and Jerry's is like... <laughs> Not as much now, no, 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 that's calmed down, but we do like the old pizza weekend. But it's a treat, and yeah. I think when you can bring that in as a treat and know it's a treat and know, look, we don't do this all the time, it's just... We're going back to the psychology of, of yeah. nutrition as you were touching on this. Yeah, being comfortable with having having the knowledge and the habits in place of being comfortable with like, yeah, I'll have a pizza and not stress about it because the amount of times you hear people like, oh, I ate this, I need to do something to burn it off. I need, just be okay with like what you ate. Mm. Kind of realign it back the next day, realign it back the mm. next day. So it's, yeah, I think detrimentally, it can almost put you in worse of a spiral if you just like ate a pizza and was just like, yeah, yeah. enjoyed it. And, and one of the things that really helped guide and change my philosophy on that is getting into the motivational interviewing literature or way of approaching clients so if you're a coach or if you're a nutritional coach like actually researching some of that is a really good way to yeah. implement behavior change with your clients yeah. because it's it's explaining to them and, and pl planting these seeds but like when you come up with goals together it's not okay this is your goal this is what i want you to do it's this is the objective you like bring them into the conversation <laughs> let them create the goals and then you guide it together because if they're creating those goals 
then they're going to achieve them because they're far more realistic and achievable. Mm. Because if you start off, you've got to think about this long term and that's the whole sort of concept of my business is long term performance. Like none of this is short term. So if you're doing long term like behavior change, even if it's a small improvement at the start, it's an improvement that gives the client motivation. It gives them mm. want to carry on. And then you can come back in four, four weeks time. And yes, it might have been just changing a little bit at breakfast, like doing something different. There's a bit of less sugary cereal coming in or there's less sugar in our tea or something. That might seem like a really, really small thing, yeah. but it's something they've done. Like, awesome, let's capture that. Then we build on it. And then you can, it, all these, all the other changes become a lot easier to make. So actually looking back, reflecting on successes as well, that's something that people, in my opinion, don't do enough of with their nutrition. I think we're all so hard on ourselves. Like what you've mentioned already, just like ice cream, pizza, that's, you know, I, when I'm not eating well, we suddenly focus on these foods. Mm. Whereas we never really think, actually, I eat well. I, I do eat wholesome food 90% yeah. of the time, but we only focus on that 10%. Mm. And if we can focus more on the successes we're having, it's going to foster more positivity and more yeah. want to make positive change. Yeah, I think the, the successes, as you kind of highlighted, are like less um, kind of, I, I, like a lot of people look at success in terms of weight on a scale or percentage of body fat. And whereas actually, as you highlighted, like a little success is just those, those small hab habitual tweaks, a little less sugar in your, your tea. Or, yeah, that's, that's and, and you don't know that they've come unless you reflect. Yeah which is something I've been doing increasingly more with my clients is asking them to do a one or two sentence journal about their food choices. Because a lot of the time we make our choices without really being that conscious. So unless we're thinking about what we're doing, we get that, suddenly we get the clarity. Yeah. And when we get the clarity on actually what's going on, it allows you to make more informed choices, which like ultimately with nutrition, everyone tries to overcomplicate. People in my job, we overcomplicate <laughs> to make it feel like we have a, no, <laughs> actually give us a job. But really we want to simplify as much as possible. So if you can simplify things, then suddenly it becomes a lot easier mm. and people get more success. Mm. Okay, yeah, and from a nutrition, nutritionist is just sifting through everything that's out there because people want, a nutri want nutrition, they look, search up online and you get 10,000 different things telling you 10,000 different things and they're all very complex but the simplicity and kind of everything as we've spoken about with training is basic is, is the key to long-term success yeah rather like yeah as you you highlighted the the success in the short term might not be might not be as as big or as noticeable but it's that long-term success and having that reflection yeah. point from working with a coach like yourself can yeah, definitely constantly realigned to the goal that they've created or you've created with them. So I think that's a uh, yeah, huge part in mm. creating that. But you, you mentioned a little bit about nutrition for CrossFit and nutrition for performance. Yeah. So, I mean, if we were to simplify all of that, like, first of all, basics. Have we got a mixed diet? Mm. Are we eating some carbohydrates, some fats, some like, good protein in each meal? Have we yeah. got a protein timing well separated and what by that I mean is there actually going to be roughly 20-25 grams of protein in your breakfast as well as lunch and dinner like just little things like that and whether you need to help increase your education on that like okay maybe one or two days tracking it doesn't have to be the full day it might just be that breakfast meal which is typically skewed to be low in protein 
Like little things like that will just help bump up your total protein content. Mm-hmm. That's going to make you recover a little bit better. And also think about what type of carbohydrates are dominating your day. So are they slower releasing carbohydrates, which is probably going to lead to more consistent energy levels? Are you just having hardly any calories in the morning and then a little bit of lunch and then we get really hungry? We then train, we're like probably not getting the most out of that session and then we're ravenous after and we can't really control what we're eating. Whereas if we split them up a little bit more evenly, it might lead to more even energy levels. It might lead to a more successful training session, better recovery, probably better sleep as well, because we're not going to be overfeeding in that evening meal. How would you approach then uh, endurance? Because you're you're leaning more towards the endurance currently. Yeah, and that probably follows my own, um, I suppose, I hate the word journey, my own experimenting and training. So yeah, I would... I was very much CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit when I first joined and then lockdown hit and kind of come to the box and don't have that much space at home. So I thought, what can I control? Just gonna, just gonna run. And I'm very much jumping in the deep end sort of person. So it's like, oh, well, maybe I'll do an ultra. <laughs> How far can I go? Where's the limit? Um, so yeah, the difference I think with CrossFit nutrition and, and ultra nutrition is is really just the the carbohydrates pre long run like the foundations of the diet are very similar you want to be eating you know that protein split evenly good range of different wholesome foods like don't overcomplicate if it's super processed it's probably not that great mm. if it's more wholesome it's going to be a better meal but with nutrition for your long distance running really you need to look at that 24 hours prior to the long run and just think okay maybe we want to strip back some of the fiber take out some of the veggies in that evening meal just so there's less going on in your gut so you're going to have a more successful run and really making sure you've actually got enough carbohydrate in your diet for the intensity and duration of your training yeah because i think with crossfit we're probably but depending on the level of your crossfit if you're training three or four times a week you've probably got 24 hours more between each session so actually you've got then a lot of feeding opportunities to top up your tank and I'm really referring to muscle glycogen there. But if, if you don't have 24 hours, that's when we need to think, right, we need to be a bit more aggressive with our carbohydrate intake. Mm. So if that's a training on a Saturday evening and then coming in here, uh, sorry, on a Friday evening and coming in here Saturday morning, mm. well then that Saturday evening refuel meal, just need to have a conscious thought and think, let's, let's put more carbohydrate in that. I need to have some more to top up the work I've done yeah. and to fuel my body for the coming session on Saturday. It's just thinking about where your training is in relation to your week and how to actually fuel and refuel from that. Because that's it. I think a lot of people, as we know, who started CrossFit, probably the first sort of nutrition they touch with is the paleo or zone. And then a lot, I know along the line, a lot of people think, oh, the carbs are the enemy, where really carbs aren't the enemy, are they? They really are substantially important to your performance without trying to fat burn or anything like that just to have a good training session yeah well let's i mean you need to try and explain that carbohydrates are your fuel source for high intensity exercise Mm. so realistically with crossfit like a session here for example you're going to be doing 20 25 minute metcon at the end it's going to be pretty intense Mm. you're going to be burning completely carbohydrates for that so if you come in after a busy day of work where you're w- walking around, going up and down stairs, in and out of meeting, like on your feet all the time, and you're not consuming carbohydrates throughout that, 
then you're probably going to be coming in with a half full or less t tank. That means you're not going to be able to get the same quality out of that session. But it's not to say that you necessarily need to be having loads of carbohydrate all the time because it comes down to the volume of the, of the training. Yeah. So if you've only got three or four training sessions a week and you're not that active in your job, well, then you've probably got enough stored up from the meals that you're having to, to have a good session. Mm -hmm. And then like having more carbohydrates might actually put you in a caloric surplus, which you might not necessarily need. Unless you want to build big muscle. Yeah. And that's that, <laughs> kind of my next question. And what yeah. implications do you have to think in terms of someone who just does strength training? Because like, strength training the, depends on obviously the loading you're, you're moving, but generally overall the intensity is lower than you would in like a CrossFit kind of Metcon class. Mm -hmm. um, so what kind of implications do you, do you have to think about in terms of like just pure strength training? I would still think about fueling and refueling. And if you're doing pure strength training, with the goal of hypertrophy building muscle mass going through a surplus putting on weight well then i probably would fuel with carbohydrate around that training mm. just so that there's more anabolic signaling going on so that you're reducing the amount of catabolism going on in that session because if you feed with carbohydrate around you're going to reduce some of the catabolism which is that muscle breakdown effect because as you know lifting is actually pretty strenuous mm. on the body we need to have fuel around it so that we can recover and adapt yeah. so that we can then put on the muscle mass so go, touching on that I know when I used to bodybuild um, when I was really put, trying to put on some size I was then drinking glucose powder through my training session as like an intra and then I was having a, a lot with my shake after but now we've seen with the supplement ranges now you've got your essential amino acids and you've got like the multidextrin carbohydrates intra workouts seen, I've seen now a lot of people understanding that drinking that to get the protein synthesis through the training is that more of a popular thing you're seeing now like having something while you're training or getting it in before you're training i would actually say for for carbohydrate during you want to think about the duration and intensity of the training mm -hmm. so if it's 60 90 plus minutes then it might be worth having something Definitely. because when you're having carbohydrate during your training it's going to spare your muscle glycogen so that petrol tank is going to spare that because when you fuel, so if you have sugar, glucose coming in, that's gonna be digested, go straight into your bloodstream. Mm. Your body's then gonna use that as fuel straight away before trying to use anything else. So that might then be better from a anabolic signaling point of view because yep. there's less other stuff going on. But you don't really need it if you're under 60 minutes or so because right. your muscle glycogen stores are gonna be sufficient yeah. for that. I mean, you can, sit on a bike at 70% VO2 max for 60 to 90 minutes without bonking. Like you do have that much like store of muscle glycogen and carbohydrate and fuel in your body. It's, it's how much you really want to push the envelope, I suppose. Hmm. And actually, if you've got a large caloric budget and you're trying to get into a surplus, then having some sugar throughout your workout, you know, that's just going to put into your, yeah. um, your daily calories. Hmm. And, I think there's also a misconception that when you have sugar, it's, it's always bad. But if you have sugar during your workout, you're not going to get this big spike in blood glucose. Mm. because And therefore, you're not going to get the same spike in insulin off the back of that. And if you're sedentary and you're just having these shakes, wouldn't recommend that because then you're getting big spikes in blood glucose, big spikes in insulin. If you're having loads and loads of spikes in insulin, that's what's then going to lead to insulin resistance. Yeah. So these Western diets where it's high sugar foods all the time, 
that's not good. That's not what we want because it leads to this insulin resistance. But if you're having sugar during a session, you, you don't have that because your body utilizes it as soon as it gets into your blood as fuel. But it, dep- it does depend completely what your goals are. So hypertrophy, yeah, we, we might want to yeah, consider so. it. But if you're actually looking and you don't train a huge amount, then you know we might want to compromise some of that anabolic signaling and you know take away probably a couple of hundred calories and a couple of hundred well maybe 40 50 grams of carbohydrate we can take them out and it might then lead to more favorable body composition changes because that's why i wanted to just reach out to the viewers and make them understand that because we know as we've done a supplement series there can be a lot of people out there are supplement heavy so exactly what you've just said there they can be buying all these supplements when really they like that if they're only doing a 60 minute session and depending on what level intensity they're doing whether it's strength or high output yeah if they would save that money and just reach for better food mm-hmm. sustainably they're going to get more out the outcome of that save themselves some money and then like we say a supplement is only good for when you exactly that when you're saying like right so if you are looking for that little bit more intake on the strength or it, and that sh- sugary drink throughout your training is now substantial to what you're doing mm. i think if more people are in tune to understanding that rather than they'll probably go for more of the supplements for their training and their food is really poor yeah yeah so if it's if the intensity is low we don't need carbohydrates your body's going to be utilizing fat and <laughs> we, that's what we want to teach it if, yeah. if you're going low intensity you want to train that system so you one of the things I try and teach my clients is what's the stimulus you're trying to get out of that session because then we can design the nutrition to help you get that stimulus Mm -hmm. because if you want to get um, the highest quality session possible you want to bring intensity then you want to go in fully loaded you might want to have a bit of carb throughout that's going to help you hit PBs but you don't necessarily always need to do that because you don't necessarily always want to train the body to to need that Mm. nice and just to kind of lead it on to your nutrition, because now you said you've gone back into more the running, long distance running yourself, want to do ultras, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, how does your nutrition look currently? Because I guess you've been, as you said, your nutrition changes as you've gone through these kind of fluctuations from probably where you started to where you are now. Yeah, it's, I, I am currently in a period of losing a bit of weight. Um, I was, did a... A metabolic testing activity um, with a guy called Jack Pranith up in Birmingham and we found that I'm not very efficient at lower intensities and running economy is going to be hugely helpful for ultra so one of the ways you can increase your running economy is being lighter so <laughs> as a bit more of a rubber playing crossfitter I don't yeah. really look like a runner so I'm going to try and lose a few more kilograms to get there so to do that I need to eat in a caloric deficit personally I don't find that that difficult because I actually have to eat a huge amount to put on weight and I think that's down to in part to increasing my neat time when I eat more I just I move around more I'm a bit of a fidget bit of a sort of energy ball and yeah. the more I eat the more I move mm. um, so I just the well come back to your question how has my diet changed I'm I'm restricting fat a little bit to help with that because fat is such a high um calorie food compared to its volume so it's very energy dense so you can reduce that down and for me i mean caloric budget say 3500 almost 4000 when i'm running a lot so it, reducing it down from say 3700 to 3000 
you've still got quite a large caloric mm-hmm. budget. Um, so there still can be fat in my diet. It's not just a large amount of fat. So it might be if I have my big bowl of porridge in the morning, instead of putting 60 grams of peanut butter in there, I'm putting 20. And suddenly that's a couple of hundred calories from that meal. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's not as difficult because I'm lucky to have that large caloric budget. So being a little bit restrictive here and there, um, I'm definitely a lot more conscious about leucine because I'm looking to reduce my body weight, but I want to maintain as much muscle mass as possible. Having high quality loose, uh, high quality protein coming through in my diet is very important. And as I don't eat as much, I don't eat any meat, but I don't eat um, as about any. I'm limiting my dairy as well, so I suppose I call myself a pescatarian but I limit fish to once a week so when I mean let's probably explain when people talk about protein quality we're really referring to the key amino acid leucine which is higher in most animal foods so if I'm going to supplement my diet I might have some BCAAs like you mentioned or maybe just the key BCAA which would be leucine so I might have a few capsules with certain meals just to make sure that there's going to be say four or five grams in each meal and that's going to help protect my muscle mass while I'm in a caloric deficit. So then I'm going to be promoting more fat loss instead of fat and muscle loss, which is going to be helpful for running yeah, because the muscle is going to be helping to actually propel me. Mm-hmm. Um, difficult because it's quite painful to watch your muscles <laughs> and body down. get smaller. <laughs> yeah. um, but I've, I've set myself as a, like a, a hard goal. I'm going to basically do this until about mid-September and then I'm gonna change up my diet have some fun with it go back to the gym more run less is that when your ultramarathon is yeah it's a I've got a 100 mile run it's the Robin Hood 100 in September the 11th so after that I'll probably have a week off or something (laughs) but um, yeah we'll be in a wheelchair and and then would would you see like like after that when you change like a significant rebound of, of food and do you, do you think like the muscle memory and would come back quite quickly after that a significant rebound of food um i think i mean to come back to the second part of your question i think the muscle memory will be there so if yeah. i come back into the gym i think i'll start to move back into the movements yeah i think it will be quite difficult to start eating that volume mm. to put on um, weight again because I really had to eat almost past feelings of fullness every single meal, like multiple meals, four or five times a day, yeah. eating to the point where you're feeling a bit sick. Mm. And it's it's not actually that pleasant. No, I remember them days. I was having six meals a day. Yeah. It was like, last two meals was like literally yeah, shoveling it. Down. And that's when food to me became, it wasn't a food of interest anymore. It was just a, a source of what I needed. Yeah, yeah, it's, so it's, it's like, it is difficult because you also want to think about your goals but they need to be aligned to mm. your your worldview and i i'm trying to be more of a minimalist yeah. and the thought of just eating excessive amounts it didn't really fit in line with that so yeah. i probably won't try and you know get excessively big just like it's, it comes down to okay, what your goals just, are and how it all changes yeah it would just be a process just like how we explain to people it's a sustainable outfit it would just be a change and then I suppose over a long period of time just sustainably putting it back on with the now yeah. different type of training and back into weight training and building it back up yeah and I mean I'll probably mention the protein again so with, when it comes to the, the quality protein I think if I'm gonna supplement my diet and use protein shakes just to really help with timing 
So if I'm going out for like four hours or something, five hours and I'm in between meals, well then I might have a protein shake in there just because it's gonna be super practical. But I've designed a, a soy protein powder, which is lower in leucine compared with dairy. Yeah. But then I've supplemented that with leucine powder so that you're then getting the same quality protein to help with your timing. Because I think, oh, that's a, that's, while we're there, obviously people who go to vegetarian or vegan, I think a lot of the people don't understand the protein source. Well, I know you're so knowledgeable about all your plant-based foods and how to get the required amounts of protein in a meal, in a plant-based meal. And I think a lot of people probably go, oh, I'm going vegan and they're eating lettuce and tomatoes and not understanding that they probably haven't got a source of protein coming in. So do you find that with people teaching them like where the protein comes from? What's the best yeah, source yeah, yeah. for a vegan person to get that quality of protein? So was there, there different three types of different aminos that you need to get or more in the protein? Um, we want to have first from meat. <laughs> um, well, you want to have the branch chain amino acids. Yeah. So leucine, isoleucine, and valine. Mm-hmm. They're going to be the key drivers of muscle protein synthesis, but they will be present in quite a lot of plant foods okay. I mean they're present in all plant foods it's just whether it's significant enough so you have the 20 amino acids but then you have the 12 non-essential amino acids and the 8 essential um, so it's whether you actually can get all of them but from a range of plant foods mm-hmm. so not all plant foods are incomplete proteins Yeah. but I mean, some of them are. So like soy, for example, is a complete protein. But if you can mix, say, rice, which is an incomplete protein, with beans, which is also an incomplete protein, like one might be low in, say, methionine and cysteine, but then the other might be high in methionine and cysteine, so it marries up. Mm -hmm. And that's why, actually, some of these historical meals, like like Jamaican, like rice and beans, rice and peas, like, they sort of come together so that you get these complete meals. Another one is um, hummus, so sesame seeds and chickpeas. They're both low in certain amino acids, which the other one is high in. And these sort of ancient foods, actually, it's, it's quite interesting, yeah, like the history of food. Yeah, that's what I've read about, like, entering into more of it. And I, I realised, like, how, when you know knowledgeable enough, because I know so many, obviously, so many people have gone, oh, I'm, I'm going no meat, and they will jump on the go, but do you actually know how to eat now to substantially yeah, I, keep I, it healthy? I do think we, we suddenly, there's this fear of protein, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, suddenly we're not going to get all our amino acids. And you can you can get um, complete amino acids over the course of the day. It doesn't have to be done in each meal. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned rice and peas, that would be an example of doing it in a meal. But you can, so there's like this term called amino acid pooling. So if you can eat a wide range of different plant foods, with some of them being from the higher protein elements of yeah. plant, plant foods, such as beans, legumes, um, like tofu, tempeh, I mean, they're, they're coming from soy, but, um, and then nuts, seeds, to an extent, although they're quite high in fat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even things like whole grains, people just imagine, say, whole grain pasta or whole grain wheat as carbohydrate, because as humans, we're very black and white. Yep. But realistically, if you have a sandwich of whole grain bread, you're gonna be getting 10 grams of protein from that bread. So then if you can have some peanut butter inside that, and, you know, usually a healthy liberal amount, you can get up to 20 grams yeah. of protein there. It might not be as high quality as if you had chicken in there because the leucine might be lower. But I think it depends on your reasons for eating more plant-based. I think personally, I'm happy to sacrifice that little bit of performance benefit for maybe a more sustainable meal. That's yeah, one that's yeah. lower in CO2 emissions and all of the um, yeah. all of that. 
And that's all I want to just put out there to people. It's like, look, before you f- jump on the, the bandwagon and go, right, I'm going vegan, I think research it and understand it a little. Because it is... I, I found it. Yeah. Once I was like, well, what's vegan? And then I looked into that. I go, okay. And then obviously for muscle building and stuff like that, and performance, and got me intrigued. And then once I did, obviously knowing you, you, you speak a lot about it, I understand a lot more. And then it's it's quite... it's yeah. You've got to know a bit about it my, you, before my, you jump on it. My tip would be do it slowly. Yeah. Don't be from going and eating an omnivorous diet to suddenly eating vegan because you haven't, like you said, you haven't played with it mm-hmm. enough. And if you can do it slowly, so maybe like reduce red meat, which is going to be the main one for CO2 emissions, for example. Yeah. Take that out and then you might start replacing it with other, I mean, it might be meat replacement products like corn or um, like heck or whatever it is. I These. love a bit heck. <laughs> <laughs> and then you learn new cooking skills. You learn to create new dinners, yeah. like replacements. So it's not just doing it all at once. And that comes back to humans being black and white. Like, I'm either an omnivore or I've seen seaspiracy or cowspiracy or something and now I'm completely vegan. Like, well, maybe let's start being vegetarian. And because if you haven't had the skills, like you said, to experiment, then having some eggs in your diet is going to be really healthful mm-hmm. because they're so nutrient rich. Like having the yolks and the eggs is going to be bringing so many micronutrients to your diet it's going to be bringing protein it's going to be bringing healthy fat it's going to be bringing fat soluble vitamins like that could be something key which your diet might be missing if mm. you're going straight to a vegan diet oh yeah it goes back to kind of the yo-yo dieting isn't it it's well that exactly like, yeah, just how to exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, how to sure. put it in because we could have someone who's jumped on to the vegan and then we see 12 weeks down the line they've fallen right off the wagon they've gone back into more of a, a, a worse diet because they've basically starved themselves Mm. Yeah. So definitely yeah lots of implications to, yeah. to take in with that uh, I think from all sides yeah but I, I'll set my stall out I think from a health perspective eating a plant based diet or eating a vegan diet it's not necessarily healthier than eating an omnivorous diet and actually eating an omnivorous diet is going to be a lot easier mm-hmm. to eat healthy because it's less restricted oh, I think that's, that's quite a common misconception people yeah suddenly think oh just because I'm eating a, an abundance of vegetables I'm going to be eating in a healthier manner but the thing, you can eat an abundance of vegetables and still eat meat. And you, you like a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet is more healthful like on paper because of that range of vegetables, fruit, those higher intakes associated with the Mediterranean diet, they can still be done, but with limiting meat intake instead of cutting it. Mm. And if, if you want to make a more sustainable change with your diet, but you're like, oh, I can't give up cheese, but then, so I'm, I'm never going to go vegan. Well, why don't you reduce some of the other things, keep a little bit of cheese in your diet, and <laughs> suddenly your diet's a lot more sustainable. Yeah. And then, yeah, then it goes back to the quality of what you're getting in. And if you're, if you're reducing the amount of like, meat products or dairy products, then it opens up the opportunity that, like, I know financially, like, good quality food is, is more expensive, unfortunately. You go into a supermarket and it's like, two pound for a bag of spinach and you can buy a huge chocolate bar for a quid. And chocolate's always on offer, spinach is never on offer, so it's very weird. Yeah. But in, in terms of... Um, and just to, just to jump in on that point yeah. quickly, it's weird because of the system, like it's subsidized. Yeah. Like those high sugar foods, those um, like meat, it's hugely subsidized. Mm. Like it's just, 
it's there's something quite a little bit wrong with the food system at the moment where the healthy foods aren't subsidized so they're more expensive mm. well, it's, uh, it's, uh, i worked in supermarkets and learned about the the mapping of things and basically they put the alcohol section in the far corner of the supermarket in basically every supermarket a to like if you ever want to steal alcohol you have to run through the whole shop but also you have to <laughs> a lot of people go in to buy alcohol so they have to walk through the whole entire shop they see all the offers at the end of the pit but then in that sense the veg is at the front and a lot of people just walk straight, straight past, past it. it. It's the first thing in the door, they don't really care for it and they go to something else. And that's like where marketing plays into a, into an extent on how kind of the system is yeah. set up in a in a certain way that, yeah, as you said, subsidiaries and to do with like sugary foods or, or meat, whereas actually the vegetables marketed in a way that it's not as appealing as the other things out there. So. Yeah, just because they're not really branded. So I, I saw an advert, I was at PG Tips, like, with vitamin C. You're like, ah, oh, like, can we not eat some citrus fruit? Like, have yeah, some yeah. sweet potato, have an orange. Have a, have an orange. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We're, we're oh, just, look, my tea we're is so, now beneficial yeah. to me because it's got vitamin C we're, in it. We're so reductionist. It's like, let's pick out one little part of the diet. Whereas eating more fruit is going to, I mean, think about the three things that are going to reduce your risk of all-cause mortality. You've got not being obese, not being overweight. You've got um, don't smoke. Number three, eating mm. more fruit and vegetables. Like, let's just try and start there. Yeah. And that comes back to the philosophy when I talk to my clients, like, let's actually get back to basics, fruit and veg intake, how yeah. are we looking? Yeah. Okay, let's try and bump up certain meals. That's what are the snacks? Okay, it might not be high protein snack, it might not be a grenade bar, but reality, are your goals trying to put on muscle mass as absolutely quickly as possible or is it more health longevity? Mm. Would actually having some fresh fruit, a different variety that you haven't had in a couple of weeks be a better option then? Yeah. And I think there's, yeah, there's quite creed, like you said, in terms of it kind of links to the, the whole change from um, meat eater to like vegetarian, vegan. It's, it's a quite a creative process you can get with in terms of adding, implementing more vegetable, implementing more fruit into into diets rather than just being like, yeah, it's kind of like back to the psychology yeah. of it instead of just being told to like, I have to eat loads of fruit. And like, as, as a kid, you, you're told it, you're giving it at school, and then you're like, oh, I well, don't the want biggest that. thing is your five a day, isn't it? Five a day. That's the biggest yeah. thing we see I, now. I think it? the vegetables are. Well, they're great, but they're just, when you think about vegetables growing up as a kid, it's like what, boiled carrots, boiled broccoli, they don't taste good. It's because, no, it <laughs> is. But, it, but if you um, like research some side dish recipes and maybe make the vegetables more of a thing, like fry some, or like saute some kale with some lemon and garlic, suddenly that's a nice flavor. It's paired with a flavor that you'd know and like before. Let's like actually celebrate more plants and then you'll want to eat them more. Yeah. If you make them a bigger thing, whereas if you're just eating them out of this because it's a chore, mm. then you're probably not in it for that long-term process. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cauliflower cheese? God. <laughs> yeah. It's like cheese, Yum. cheese and bacon, that's the problem. <laughs> but no, I think that's like time, like goes back to what you were saying in the first thing as well, when you're talking about the approach to your clients, it's like that time and energy. I think from the conversations I've definitely had with clients is food has taken more of a, priority in people's lives through this kind of like whole lockdown pandemic because they've had the opportunity to have a little bit more abundance of time they don't have mm. to commute or they've got a little bit more time to just like prep some more food have you seen that change with a lot of clients is that actually 
implementing nutritional changes through this time was not I'm not going to say easier, but it was people were more versed to trying new and experimenting. I'd say if they didn't have kids and they're working from home, if they weren't, weren't having to homeschool, because if they're homeschooling, yeah, yeah, suddenly yeah. their time was really poor. That was like for the first lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think that was really tough for a oh, lot yeah, of people. Yeah. Homeschooling. Um, but no, yeah, just suddenly when you take commuting out, and I mean, hopefully bosses now see that people can function pretty well working from home. So mm. it might change the whole setup. But if people are happier employees, they're probably going to be better, more better, efficient yeah, employees. It, and that if that allows them more time to prepare, like it comes back to what we were saying at the very start, mm. just the importance of committing time to this area of your life. It's absolutely key. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. It's a kind of like nutrition can be the bedrock of, as you said, like even something people probably don't see the connection of oh wait if I eat better and I take my time and my food then I might actually be a little bit like happier at work have better mood and, and it, then have energy more energy for the then, kids yeah. like people see it as a pure kind of performance and, and energy thing but there's a lot more fulfillment that come through nutrition and I guess you've probably seen that quite a lot in that do you find that's the most fulfilling in, in kind of a, a selfish extent of like your your job is like actually like yeah, stuff I, that's not so much energy expenditure and training yeah, not necessarily the like the the body transformation mm. that like marketing gimmick. Actually, when you see a client, and they're like, "Yeah, James, I've been working with you for eight months, a year now, and this is where I was." Like, let's say like, I have a client who ex bodybuilder and used to just track everything religiously, um, which would actually then, like, after discussion and reflection, really limited his range mm. because of just the simple having to plug it in. So then by slowly and he used to explain that my fitness power was like a bit of a crutch for him he couldn't really not eat without it because he needed the data so anyway after about a year of working with him we managed to get him to a point where he's eating a lot more intuitively and he's happier he's he's got more time he's not investing spending time on his phone all the time he's his gut health is a lot better because of the increase in range that's something we haven't really discussed, but like also w- linking in the plant. I foods. wanted to bring that in on, on yeah. the end of our session today, definitely, just because I know that could be a whole other session on its yeah. own. But just tapping into how the importance of, of, of gut health, as I know, I've spoken with you many times, and we still need to do the um, was it the blue muffin test? Which I'm quite <laughs> the blue food to do. challenge. The blue, yeah, yeah I, blue food I was challenge. frustrated what? with that. Um, blue food challenge? Yeah, it's um, Tim Spector has partnered with a company called Zoe and they're doing a, a challenge to get more insight into people's gut health. Because gut health isn't all about, well, it's, it's a lot to do with bacterial profile in your intestine, your microbiome, but also the speed of your gut. And because that really comes down to how much fiber you're eating. And when you're eating more fiber, it's usually more whole foods, more whole grains, plants, fruits, vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, so the speed of your gut is, is a, I suppose, a determinant of how healthy your gut is. But how do you work out the speed of your gut? Well, you can either eat some sweet corn whole or um, <laughs> eat a load of beetroot. Yeah. But I think this company wanted to do it in a way that's a bit more mar- marketing Marketable and fun. Challenge, yeah, yeah, so they um, made eat, some blue muffins. Eat, um, and the muffin sounds a lot better than beetroot to me. Yeah, <laughs> so a nice sugar-rich muffin <laughs> yeah. that you eat and it's got lots of blue cut food coloring in. And then you log when you first have it in the morning and how long it takes you until you see it again in the toilet bowl. And then that gives you information on the speed of your gut. And typically the, the faster your gut moves, the healthier it is. Because there's basically then less time for any carcinogens that you happen to take in yeah. to 
do damage into your like um, bowel. Hey, well, I think while well, you've touched that, we'll set the, well, we may as well set the challenge up for when this podcast comes out. For so sure. I think if we'll get live on our social medias, I'm up for doing this challenge. Yes. Well, hundred percent. How, how, how much fibre are you eating? How, how, this this is the thing I feel I struggle with the most. Like, okay. I'm a I'm a I'm a good general. I have a good timetable of when I go to the toilet, but I do know. <laughs> But I do, I do monitor it quite well. Yep. And sometimes I do feel like, yeah, sometimes, you know, I do find it harder to get it. It could be a bit more of a harder poo to come out. Or sometimes it might be really easy. Yep. And this is definitely something I, I think, and I've read as well that as you get older, you can, things change, don't they? Like you can become now more intolerant to certain things and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So for me, definitely, I, I think, yeah, I don't think I have enough fiber. It's yeah. something I definitely want to touch on and investigate. I've always been good on gut health. So obviously I've known how to, Obviously, like taking glutamine and, and obviously taking a good uh, probiotic, mm-hmm. it obviously does help, but there's more to it than that, isn't it? Obviously, there's Yeah, so I mean, you've, you've jumped straight into gut health supplement, whereas if we can think, right, exactly. gut health, yeah. instead of taking a probiotic, could we take some fermented foods? Can we get some probiotic foods? Yeah. Why would that be more beneficial to a supplement? Because you have a wider range of different mm. probiotics in there, but also it's packaged with fiber. So you're also providing the food for your bacteria yeah. in your gut. So it's a, maybe a pro and a prebiotic. Food. Yeah, and that's something that definitely exactly that. And I've just that's it. Just I've just explained how someone would jump into a diet and look for a supplement. That's exactly what I've done with thinking of gut health. Where well, you're right, it's gut health mainly is good, good yeah. eating food. So, I mean, let's just start at breakfast, for example. Instead of having just I don't know, let's say toast and a coffee or something Weetabix yeah Mm. like with the little orangey apricot middles Mm. like instead of having that we could go for I mean oh yeah that sounds good good. the reason I say that is yeah I had some of them the other day before I wore front actually it was really good Um, but if you're trying to build in more like basics nutrition around training you're not necessarily looking for a high sugar low fiber breakfast if you have some oats but then okay what can we build on that it's going to be mean I'm not just eating for me I'm eating for my gut mm. so we want to build in different range of fibers could we put in some I mean it's gonna sound a bit gimmicky like chia seeds but don't necessarily have to be chia seeds so I mean, you could do that for one week and then you could swap them out yeah you could put in like little hemp seeds give you a bit of crunch mm. like a different fiber coming in mm. like could you get some milled flaxseed it's gonna be yeah. great for your prostate yeah. could you put in half a spoon of psyllium husk because that's a really good insoluble fiber sorry really good soluble fiber so what that's going to do is you're going to draw moisture into your gut. Yeah. So it's going to make your bowel movement a lot more pleasant. It's going to make it easier because there's just not going to be as firm. Like, and then, okay, well, can we get some fruits in there? We're building this bowl up. We want to get some different colors, maybe some berries. But instead of just going for your frozen berries in that aisle, that's super easy. Well, maybe we'll chop up some cherries or something because they're in season. Like, what can we put in that's different that you haven't had last yeah, week? Like seasonal fruits. Yeah, like maybe some more stone fruit. We'll chop up some peach in there. Suddenly we've got yellows, we've got reds in there. Um, yeah, and then it's just, it becomes more fun. And then, like, maybe top it off with like a little bit of desiccated coconut or something. Another plant fiber, you've got some white colors, some allicin. They're all these different plant elements, they're going to be super helpful for your gut mm. because there's one thing you can do to improve your gut health it's eating a wide range of different plant foods they looked at all the different um diets like they were back to that word diets like mediterranean vegan vegetarian the main correlating factor between that and good gut health is the 
the widest range of different plant foods. So that's not necessarily eating a vegan diet because you can eat a vegan diet and still have a small range of those plant foods. I mean, it's probably going to make it more likely that you do have a larger range. But if you're looking to improve your gut health, just think about range. And to put some numbers on that, if you want to do a food diary and count down the amount of different plant foods you've actually had in your day, if you try and get that over 20, it's a really good start. And then maybe over, I can't remember the number for the week, so I won't say it. But if you start with 20 over the day and then try and vary them day to day, that's going to be a really good start. So I've already mentioned that, that bowl there, I've probably mentioned eight, 10 ingredients, Mm. 10 different plant foods that we're getting in there. Slap in some peanut butter, we're suddenly getting that meal is going to be high protein as well, this carbohydrate, slow releasing carbs, we've got different fruit helping with our health longevity. Stone fruit, great for that. Got psyllium husk in there, great for our gut. Like we can start to build out these meals, that's not just eating for us, it's eating for our gut. There you go. I need to do that, especially my, my, breakfast I'm a love a love of porridge all the time but like I say I could be putting much more valuable plant food in there which will just yeah it, it can me. be reasonably easy yeah like, if if we, like, that, like little things um for example if you're having your porridge every day you might have some cocoa powder in the fridge from I don't know making a cake or something one day was there maca powder as well is that good or yeah you can put that in if you want yeah. like, it's going to be very nutrient rich probably going to be a lot more expensive than cocoa powder yeah but if you put in some cocoa powder, for example, it's just going to give it a different taste. It's going to make it chocolatey. And then you could put those desiccated coconut on top and suddenly you've got a little bounty feel one day. Or you could have maybe some dried fruit. You could get Italian mixed peel coming in mm. and put some cinnamon in there. So then you get all these healthful benefits of having spices coming in. And you've got a little bowl of porridge that tastes like a hot cross bun but you haven't necessarily got all the added sugar. Sugars, yeah. There might be sugar in those dried fruits but at least they're going to be packaged in the food matrix. Yeah. There you go. So definitely gut health is... Well, they say your gut's your second brain, Second brain. Yeah, and that's because of the vagus nerve. Mm. So if you've ever experienced stress and you're like, well, that's, you know, something going on in your brain, like there's a life event happening and your brain is like, right, I'm stressed. And then suddenly you feel a bit constipated or you're getting tummy gurgles. Yes. That's an example of the vagus nerve working this way. But then that nerve goes the other way as well. So we want to create this healthful gut. We want to try and have that great bowl, that diversity in our diet. Because if we can create this healthful environment with lots of different types of bacteria, then that's going to be signaling this way, helping our mood. It's going to making us like happier day to day because serotonin is created in the gut. That's our feel-good hormone. So that's going to be making us feel better it's going to be reducing our risk of depression, Alzheimer's. Like. And this is what, I've, what I've, when I've spoke to people about gut, especially I've had a lot of friends come and reach out to me. Um, and what I like when they go, oh, Chris, help me get back in shape and stuff like that. So I'm like, one thing I like to start with is trying to teach them about gut health and about, you know, because I think it's such a durable part of the body. You think probably more than 80% of the world are probably running inefficiently in their stomach. And like you say, they've got all these problems like you know they could be down and feeling depressed because their stomachs are not working yeah. efficiently because they're slamming in cans of coke they're slamming in as we know most people the amount of times i see people walking up the street drinking cans of monster because they feel like that's their energy source to get them through the day and get them going where we're thinking right that's really well it's giving you the energy it's a false energy but it's now destroying all the the, the stomach really isn't it yeah i mean even like sweeteners 
they're when they go through their testing to make sure they're by the FDA to make sure they're health healthy and mm. or maybe not healthy is the wrong word but safe. They don't test anything on the gut. On the gut, yeah. And I mean, it's been shown that sucralose, aspartame, these ingredients destroys. They they do reduce the diversity of gut bacteria. Yeah, I read that. You know, how does that mean you necessarily you cut out all sweeteners? Probably not, but I would say definitely be mindful of your intake. Well, it's, it's like with everything, isn't it? If like, if you, even though we look, the artificial sweetener now has looked at, oh, the healthy way won't make you fat, but like you say, it could be harmful to your gut if you're still in, drinking a bottle of Pepsi Max a day. Yeah, exactly. And you <laughs> so, mentioned that, but I mean, we talked about the things that's going to help your um, gut microbes. Having that diversity is one thing, but then the other thing is reducing the amount of high sugar foods mm. because... I mean, if you eat loads of, let's try and explain this, if you eat loads of high sugar foods, maybe over the weekend or something, you binge a bit. Yeah. And then the next few days when you're back on track and back on the wagon, suddenly you get these cravings, right? And you're just sat there like, oh, maybe I'll have some chocolate or something over there. Yeah. That's because the bacteria in your gut, when you ate loads of sugar over the weekend, they've started thriving, those ones that love sugar. But the gut bacteria they have a really short lifespan, so they'll sort of die out and then they'll regenerate. Yeah. So as they are dying out, they're sending signals via that nerve to the brain saying, hey, we're dying out. We don't want to die out. Go and find sugar, which is then you manifest in you looking for sugar and getting those cravings. Yeah. So for moderating the sugar so you don't necessarily have to go through that is going to be one thing. Mm. Yeah, that's. I think a lot of people can take a lot from that. Yeah. Really uh, getting onto the gut health. But what we'll definitely Look say today is that. I'm just going to come to that yeah, and say. So we'll do I, the think we'll, I think we'll. we'll Claudia is very excited. We'll, for it. we'll boost this challenge. We'll boost it out on, on this podcast as well. So anyone who's out there listening who isn't obviously interlinked with our, our gym, let's just, let's just let's do this. Let's make it a. Yeah, we'll put a the links in day, the show notes. Blue Poo Day. <laughs> because it will like I say I'm really in, I think and especially now where I am with my age and thinking more health cautious and longevity I, nef- I definitely know that hmm. my heart, my guts could definitely be a little bit tip top and better span like where they are at the moment definitely yeah so that would be a good thing to, to do I think more people we can get into yeah well but people do find that when they turn to a more plant based diet suddenly they're actually sat on the toilet a lot more yeah and like, oh you know this is bad mm. that's why is that bad? Yeah, it it means things are working functioning well. yeah, better. Functioning. And when when you don't go to the toilet quite as much, it what happens with your gut is this, when there's a lack of fiber and things going through it, your your gut needs energy, and it gets that energy from short chain fatty. Is it short chain? Yeah, um, short chain fatty acids that are created when you eat these high fiber foods. So when there's none of them there, your gut cells start eating their own lining. That then leads to the more permeable gut and IBS, gut health. That's what I was just going to come to. So I think the biggest thing we see now is IBS. And because I think when someone is constipated or they haven't pooed for a few days or whatever, and then that becomes like a normal cure, they go to the doctor. And I think that's the first thing I think medical doctors will will slam out. And they'll go, oh, you've got IBS. And now they get diagnosed as IBS where... I'm not saying this This is just how I've looked at it, but we're probably re- realising that if they actually did channel to the gut and make it a little bit healthier, maybe they may not have such as a... a and that probably links back to the yo-yo diet and the restrictive dieting. Mm. Because I've had some clients who have experimented loads with keto, which obviously restricting carbohydrates a lot, but then a lot of those carbohydrates are plant foods. Yeah. 
when you restrict so many plant foods, you're restricting a lot of fiber. So suddenly you're starving your gut bacteria of food. You then think, okay, I'm done with this diet. I'm going to go back and eat the normal way. And you actually have intolerances mm. because your gut has had a period of time where it's not used to digesting those foods. So your gut bacterial profile has changed so much. It then is like, well, oh God, I'm having bread. I'm having like carbohydrates and it simply can't handle it. Yeah. So I would be very um, cautious about eating very restrictive diets. Like if you're looking to control your energy intake, which most most of the time people are looking to you know, lose a bit of fat, tone up, don't just go for a restrictive diet. You can look at reducing portion size without um, sacrificing the diversity and range of foods. Mm. And actually, if you think about addition instead of subtraction, when you're going through this period of weight loss, and when I say that, adding raw veggies, adding more fruit to your diet, these are filling foods. Like if you have a quarter of a watermelon or something like that, you're pretty full afterwards. Yeah. But it's not many much calories, calories. in that. So it's, and then it's going to be providing fibers. It's going to be providing vitamins, minerals. Mm. So if you think about what things you can add to your diet, then it sort of pushes out some of the other less or well, maybe hyper palatable foods that are going to be less healthful for you. Mm. And just changing that mindset makes it a little bit more of a positive experience and journey where it's, it's less about Oh, I'm sort of martyring myself to losing weight. Just try and make it a fun thing. What 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 things can you change and add into your diet to make it fun, interesting? Yeah. Start with fruit and veg, whole grains. That'd be your like number one kind of tip for anyone out there that's yeah. Make eat eat more eat more vegetables. And when you say that, this is something I learned when I started in Harlequins. You're like, oh yeah, so you eating your vegetables? Yeah, you know, I have a whole thing of broccoli every day. Okay, what else? <laughs> Yeah, just eating loads and loads of broccoli but like can we actually diversify can we have aubergines bell peppers can we have different cruciferous sh- different greens yeah, yeah. spinach like shades, shades, different yeah. shades you want to try and literally eat the rainbow I know it's a bit of a cliche but you want to have different colours coming in throughout your week mm. so if you've created a bit of time maybe it's 10 minutes to start planning your meals plan for maybe a different type of carbohydrate option just to keep things interesting, but then also try and plan for different colors of vegetables because those colors represent different vitamins, different minerals. There's different fibers in all of those things. That's going to be hugely helpful for you. Yeah, so I think something, one thing I normally try and aim for with my meals is five different ingredients. So obviously put my source of protein, my source of carbohydrates, which could be, like you say, a sweet potato could be a shade, but then the vegetables I'll look for, not just green beans and like like say different shades so yep. there could be a pepper there there could be you know whatever but looking for that more so then you're sort of like doing that and then my next meal I'll go right i'm not going to eat the same vegetables now I'll find yeah, another free, free shade of vegetables and i think that's a good way to, to, to start a nice there. colorful plate makes it more appealing to the eye as yeah. well yeah 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 and, and all this stuff i mean we started talking about that i'm a performance nutritionist but realistically here we're just talking about a diet for good health mm. that's it and a healthy person a healthy athlete is going to be a higher performing athlete so the two are so well linked so if you can work on these basics these eating diversity color range then it's gonna mean when you're set up to okay how is your fueling mm. that stuff all comes later mm. like let's get the basics Basic. sorted and then we'll start periodizing your carbohydrate we'll start talking about leucine all that stuff we spoke about at the start mm. 
let's do all that after we've got this basics yeah, sorted. Yeah, that's it, back to basics. Teach the basics, learn the basics, and then move on with it. You set the groundwork for success, like long-term success. Long-term. Think, don't think of it, oh, I'm doing this for 12 weeks. Think, no, like, this is, I'm doing this forever. 12 years. Yeah, yeah. 12 years. And if, if there's a food that you don't necessarily like first time, that's okay. Like, yeah. Try it again the next week. Like, your taste buds might take maybe seven, eight times before you actually start, they start changing and you might like mm. it. So don't necessarily, you know, oh, I don't like that, I've tried it once. Yeah. Because like I've said, sometimes you're not necessarily just eating for you, you're eating for your gut. Mm. So there's some things, I don't know, what is it? Um, there's some beans that I don't particularly like the taste of, but if I just hide it in a massive salad with a load of other flavors that I, I really like and get on with and put like some pesto over, so there's like big punchy flavors that are gonna mask those, then suddenly I'm getting those into my diet and I'm basically doing it for my gut health, but then also maybe bumping up the protein if it's a bean. And it's it's a sort of way of like sneaking it in almost. Or even cook the way you cook it. Like I yeah, like yeah, boiling sure. vegetables, very sort of like bland, but roasting vegetables, yeah. wow. Now we, and now we could put like a nice oil on it to roast it in, yeah. maybe a little bit of salt and pepper. And then you've now, I, like, I can eat roasted vegetables till the cows come home all day long. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Sounds really... I'm feeling really hungry now. Yeah, no, that's, that's the one thing. I was like, my stomach's starting to rumble in. Am I constipated? Need those blue muffins coming yeah. through, yeah. I feel we got through quite a lot today. I think there's a lot people can can get, can gather from that. You know, especially if you want to do this poo challenge with us, even better. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll send you guys the link to that Zoe challenge. Um and yeah, we'll make some muffins. We'll make some muffins. I'll try and bring some into the box. Obviously, we don't want to see everyone's give, poo. Give That's down to you. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't share that. Hey, you can probably there's there's some places online you can. Share well, you've that. got the poo chart, haven't you? You can see hey, you where you Brist- sit on Bristol, the blue poo Bristol, chart. Bristol, 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 Bristol chart. chart. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant tool. Yeah. So, if you want to know more about James, where do we find? Where do we find you, James? What is so? It's nutrition for energy. Obviously, you've got your Instagram. Yes, uh, nutrition dot four spell f o r dot energy. And recently redone my website, which is also www.nutritionforenergy.co.uk. So you can find out a lot more about me just jumping on there. Recently streamlined my products a little bit. So I offer a three-month performance accelerator package where you work with me for three months, have three consultations, and we basically talk throughout the whole thing. So it's guiding those changes throughout. I've got a six-week challenge. So if you're someone who likes self-progression and you want to basically get into all the stuff we've talked about here, but do it in a structured way that's easy to follow, it's very step-by-step, step. Mm-hmm. that's quite a good option. Is it just opens you up to learning about sport nutrition and nutrition for yeah. good health, and it covers a lot of, of bases. And then my other product is race day nutrition. So if you're out there and you are you signed up to your first marathon or you've done a triathlon and you wanna yeah. do another one and like improve your performance a bit, we can look at your fueling strategy on the day and maybe the day prior because that is going to have a huge impact on your performance. Yeah. Sweet. That's all on there. Yeah, we'll add all the links to all of that. Yeah, well, obviously, we'll put the links and how to get you and, and follow up from this with the obviously the muffin challenge. We'll do that. Gut, Keep it going. Gut health in the future. Yeah, you got anything more you want to add to that, Ben? No, just thank you very much. Yeah, I think yeah. brilliant. What, what we'll do on the gut health challenge, I think, will be good is. We don't want people just to do the blue poo challenge. Oh yeah, obviously. And, and then, then great, now great I've done it. We'll poo. have to follow up and say, right, this is what you can do to improve your speed, improve your gut health. Yeah. 
so there's we closed the loop on that I think yeah so I think we, we, we this won't be this podcast won't be out well we've done it today but it won't be out for a few weeks so we can really put this together and make a make a statement try and make the world healthier eh through your poo through your poo there we go Norm- normalise poo talk normalise so if you've liked this please guys push a subscribe push a like button um, obviously we're trying to bring you the best of everything to do with health styles life eating Sleeping, training. Training. And then once we've got that all together, then maybe we'll do one on partying. <laughs> we'll go up, we'll do one in Ibiza. Do, yeah, do, do a podcast in Ibiza. <laughs> How to be healthy while you're in Ibiza. But, um, Lots of water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, thank, again, thank you for coming in, James. It's been really, really good. Oh, you know, pleasure. Thanks for inviting even me. Even for me, I think, right, yeah, there's a, still rechecking myself. It's very easy to fall out of habit, um, especially I did with the lockdowns I feel like I've had it quite a lot so just now going through this I've already got things that I want to start putting through together it's mainly that breakfast I'm looking forward to that in the morning but yeah, again so I'm going to leave that there to you guys thank you very much for tuning in catch us on the next one peace out see you later <laughs>